So uh, why don't you uh, tell us your name and a little bit about your family? Uh, so Kyle Brunton, um, been uh, living in Brockville since 2017. We moved here a few years back. Uh, so it's my family, so my wife Heather, three kids, Cassie, Luke, and Ben. Uh, we're in the teenage years right now. Um, and uh, yeah, so we've been here since uh, 2017. Now, uh, today is Valentine's Day. And so I want to ask you this question. Uh, what is your favorite thing about good question. Um, I guess the thing about love that I, the thing about love that I love is that um, I guess freedom and joy are two things about love. Um, I guess freedom because love is something that we can choose to do. Uh, we have the choice to love, to want what's best for somebody else, to do what's in somebody else's best interest and, and there's a lot of freedom in that because we don't have to expect anything in return. And, I, and with that I think comes a lot of joy because Truly loving is, is freeing, it's liberating, it's, um, it gives us a, a chance to, to do something for somebody else that, uh, that uh, makes us feel good, so it gives us joy. So I'm going to ask you a favor, would you consider making a funny face for us? I could probably do that. <laughs> I have a funny face and a regular face. So, um. <laughs> there we go. Awesome. Appreciate that. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in on this day where we are celebrating love. We so appreciate that you are a part of our extended family here at Centennial Road Church. Whether you can count on one hand or more the number of years that you've been connected with us or less than that, we're just grateful that you're a part of our community. We love you. But more importantly than that, God loves you. If nobody's told you that yet today, God loves you. He's desperate to connect with you and to have a great growing and flourishing relationship with you. So I hope and I pray that through some part of today, you would be reminded that you are worthy of love. Now, speaking of love, let me share a little bit of a story with you from my dating journey with my wife, Bonnie. Young and in love, let's call it that. We were on a shoestring budget, always looking for ways to be creative and how we could spend time together. I was in the grocery store one day down that cereal aisle and I saw it. Right on that box of cereal, two free movie tickets. I thought, this is great. I can take my girlfriend to the movies for free. Bought that cereal, ate it for snack and for breakfast. But more importantly, I had those two tickets to take my girlfriend to the movies. So that's what we did. We picked the day, we picked the time, we picked the place, and it finally arrived. It was across the city from us, and we, we got there just in time, just as the movie was starting to play. And I think we might have made some of our fellow patrons a little bit upset as we were walking in as the movie had already started. But you know what? We got the same exact experience as everybody else in the theater that day. We got to enjoy the movie together. We got to enjoy the space, the story, be inspired, laugh, cry, celebrate, all of those things, even though we weren't there maybe with what some people would say on time. We were there as the movie was started, but we weren't there before. We weren't there in the middle. We were right when we were there. That's when we arrived. And some people in our world are pre-planners. Some people in our world are last minute folks. And isn't it frustrating sometimes when pre-planners and last-minute folks, they get the same shared experience all at the same time? 
no differentiation, even though somebody's planned in advance and somebody's just showing up last minute, they get the same treatment. Has that ever made you jealous or frustrated or angry or just confused? Well, in the moments just like that, where they happen at home, at work, wherever you might be, we have an opportunity to leave some sort of legacy, some sort of ripple effect with the way we choose to live. We're going to look at a story from Scripture, something that Jesus told, a short story all about this whole reality of entitlement, jealousy, frustration, and how we should respond in that moment. If you've got a Bible with you, I want to really encourage you to turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 20, as we read the first 16 verses from that text. Verse 1 begins like this. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock, that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? And they replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people who worked only one hour and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. Really interesting story about jealousy, envy, entitlement, and so much more. Here's one thing that we need to keep in mind before we dig into this reality of this unfolding text. Jesus was originally telling this story in and around what we would refer to as the Middle East. So a lot closer to the equator than you and I happen to be right where we're watching from right now. And the closer you get to the equator, the more predictable the patterns of the sun are the rising and the setting of the sun. And so what we're dealing with is about a 12-hour workday from the rising of the sun about 6 a.m. to the setting of the sun at about 6 p.m., that kind of clockwork style. And that's important to keep in mind as we dig into understanding what's happening and what's going on here. There are four big truths or ideas that I want to share with you from this story. The first is this. There is always work to be done. There will always be work to do. 
There will always be work to do. Okay, that might sound like a defeatist mentality, like, man, there's always gonna be work to do. Are we ever gonna be done our work? Well, think about it in terms of laundry in your house. Once you get that one load washed and dried and folded and put away, soon enough, you've got another load that's popped up and needs the same sort of treatment. Does that mean that your washing and your drying and your folding and putting away is wasted effort? Not at all. It's not wasted effort. We just need to be aware that even though the work that we do, there's gonna be more work to do tomorrow. Let's not focus on the amount of work that needs to get done. Let's focus on what we're doing in the moment. When this first group of workers was invited to work in the vineyard, there was a lot of work to be done. They started out early in the morning. A couple hours later, around nine o'clock, another group joined them. And then a couple hours later, another group joined them. And a couple hours later, another group joined them. There were five sets of workers on that day, all working in the same vineyard, and yet the work didn't get done. It wasn't full, fully completed. It wasn't fully accomplished. There was still more work to be done. How do we know that? How do we know there was more work to be done? Well, we know they were paid one day's wage. And the story doesn't tell us that they were finished the harvest. They were just paid for that day of work. There was going to be another day of work tomorrow. That day of work tomorrow might have looked different than the day they just walked through, but there was more work to be done. Even though there's always more work to do, your work matters. Consider this story. Perhaps you've heard it before. There's a young boy playing on the beach next to the ocean, and it's littered with starfish. The tide has come out, and these starfish are now baking on that sand. The higher that sun and the warmer that sun gets. And this little boy sees all these starfish, and he starts picking them up. Even though there's thousands, he's picking them up one at a time and throwing them back in the water. Bystanders are looking and seeing, man, this, this is really cute. I'm glad this little boy is doing that. But doesn't he know that that's kind of wasted effort? And one of them finally has the courage to approach this little one and tell him just that. You know that you're not going to be able to save all of them. And the little boy picks up another starfish and he throws it into the water and he says, yeah, but what I've done makes all the difference to that one. Even though there's always work that will need to be done, will need to get done, you and I, whatever work we're doing, there's no wasted effort in God's kingdom. None. No wasted effort in God's kingdom. Even when we can't see the fruit of our labor in the moment, there's no wasted effort. You are making a difference, even if it's at a microscopic level, by the way that you choose to live. If you're embracing the love of Christ on a personal relationship level and then demonstrating that love of Christ wherever you go, in your home family, your own neighborhood, your workplace, your play place, all of those spaces, you aren't wasting your life. You're investing it. You're living a legacy of hope. And that's what we're called and invited to do. Here's the second idea from this text. There's a reward for consistency and faithfulness. There's a reward for consistency and faithfulness. Maybe you've heard this phrase in our culture today. It's called FOMO, fear of missing out. We live in the land of opportunity. Even during a global pandemic, we live in a land of opportunity. There's always something that we can do. Our opportunities are seemingly endless. 
We could do a whole bunch of different things. And for those of us who are adventurists at heart, like me, I love adventure. There's always something that we can be on about. We can go explore and do. But when we choose one thing, does that mean we have to say no to something else? And sometimes some of us get a little bit afraid. If I miss out on another opportunity, I'm going to miss out on something that could have been life-changing in some way. But did you know that there is a reward for consistency and faithfulness? These five different groups of workers, they were all paid a full day's wage for agreeing and following through with their agreement with the landowner, this vineyard owner. That first group of people, they agreed to, to work for a full day's wage, a normal wage. The nine o'clock folks, they agreed to work for whatever was fair. The noon, the three o'clock, the five o'clock, they all agreed to go and work. And in their consistency and in their faithfulness, they were given a reward at the end of the day. You might be thinking to yourself, but my life is kind of boring. It's the same old routine day in and day out. Does it even matter? There's a reward in your consistency and faithfulness. Bonnie and I have been married 16 years. Our relationship continues to grow and deepen and flourish every single day as we journey together as, in, as a married couple. It's amazing to be a part of. We are much more in love, is the best way to say it, we're much more in love now, 16 years later, than when we first met as friends way back over 20 years ago. There is a reward for consistency and faithfulness in whatever you do. There's a reward for you as you consistently and faithfully go to work and go about your daily business, whether that's working from home or at work in your physical work locations. There's a reward for you putting in your time, putting in your effort, putting in your energy. Sometimes, though, we just can't see what that reward is going to be. And sometimes, to be quite honest, we want more than what we think we are going to get. Here's, let's talk about this third thing. Comparison kills camaraderie. Comparison kills camaraderie. Five groups of workers... They all received the same pay, rate pay for their day's work. But that first group of workers was really frustrated with that last group of workers. They started to compare themselves to one another. And they used this phrase, this isn't fair. They assumed that they'd be getting more because they, in their minds, did more work than that last group of people. But comparison always kills camaraderie. Think about it like this for a moment. Imagine that you are a part of those first group of workers when the day first started. As that sun gets higher and higher, things get warmer and warmer, and there's more work to do, and you're sweating, and you're like, I don't know if we're going to get accomplished everything that, that the landowner wants us to today. There's a lot of work to do. And then that first wave of reinforcements come at nine o'clock and you're like, man, we have more hands to do the work because many hands make light work. This is going to be amazing. 
We're gonna get more accomplished. And then again at noon, another wave of workers joins you. And then again at three, another wave of workers join, joins you. And then for that final push on the day, there's another wave of workers that joins you for that last hour of work. When you don't think like you can keep going anymore, there's a new infusion of energy, of, of effort, of physical demanding nature, all that stuff is just happening in that space and in that moment. And there's a connection, there's a bond that's happening as they're all working together. That's called camaraderie. That bond becomes frayed though when they start comparing their work to one another. That first group of people being really frustrated that that last group of people who only worked an hour got the same rate of pay that they did. Anytime you and I compare ourselves to one another in a negative context and concept, we're going to be exactly like that first group of people. We're going to get jealous. We're going to feel entitled. We're going to feel bitter. And those things will always kill relationship around us, connection and camaraderie. If we're always comparing ourselves to another person in some way, we will always find ways to disconnect with them. Comparison is never a healthy thing. In fact, professional athletes are encouraged to compare themselves to their own individual game, not to anybody else, but to their own individual game. And then as team-oriented results at the end of that game, then they can compare whether or not as a team they played their best or they played their worst. It's an individual expression. See, the tendency is, though, that you and I have to compare ourselves to one another, to see something in somebody else instead of celebrating that, to go like, ooh, I want that for myself. While it's good to have goals to run after and, and strive for, it is never good to, to consider ourselves better than or less than other people through the lens of comparison. My encouragement to you would be don't be like that first group of workers. Reject the idea of, of needing to compare yourself to somebody else and instead embrace the reality that the landowner has invited you to participate in his vineyard. You've been invited, you've been given the gift of life for a reason, for a purpose. Live into that purpose in that reason. Don't compare it to somebody else's. Your life isn't less than somebody else. Your life isn't more than somebody else. Your life is a gift and all life is a gift. All life is precious to God. Now, number four, let's dig into this. It's about the secret to joy in life. Thankfulness, and gratitude are the secrets to enjoying life. Thankfulness and gratitude are the secrets to enjoying life. If you and I, instead of comparison, adopted a posture of just gratitude, thanksgiving, being grateful for what we have, that's the secret to enjoying life. Do you know what happens when we enter into a phase of life like that where we're grateful for everything that we have? Stress decreases. We're not having to keep up with the Joneses or anybody else on buying the next thing and the next thing and the newest thing. Instead, we're grateful for what we have. And so that stress fades. Stress is replaced by de-stress. It's replaced with joy. See, joy comes to life where we can see our set of circumstances and go, even though they're challenging, we're grateful and thankful to have the opportunity to conquer these challenges. It's a mindset shift. It's a life set shift. 
Can we be thankful and grateful for all these circumstances? Because when we are, that's when love multiplies. Maybe you've seen that person walking on the street or on a screen or in a classroom or at a park where they just seem to enjoy life. Do you know why a lot of people are mesmerized with young kids? Because they're filled with joy. A lot of times they're filled with joy. They're just so excited with whatever new discovery they've made in the, in the form of a, of a toy or even discovering how their hands or their fingers work, all sorts of different things. They're filled with joy. They're overflowing with joy. They are full of thankfulness and gratitude. I wonder if you and I could choose to live our lives in a very similar way where we let thankfulness and gratitude guide us forward. And as we do that, we're going to find that the legacy that we're leaving behind us is one that is steeped in hope. And whenever you have a people of hope that take resident in a place, in an area that God places them, that's where, that's where really incredible things happen. That's where love comes to life. That's where life actually has great meaning and depth beyond what we can see on a surface level. That is the point of this story that Jesus told, that we would adopt a mindset far beyond what we would do on just a human basic level, that we would recognize that God is a God who loves, God is a God who cares, God is the God who is in control of all things, and it's because of him that we have the opportunity to live and breathe and move. And the more that we approach the life that we've been given with a sense of gratitude, even when it is hard and difficult and challenging, we're doing exactly what he wants us to do if we're called followers of him, if we have a personal relationship and connection with God. We are being a blessing to those around us when we let the joy of our lives infuse our community, infuse our relationships, and help guide us forward. Even in the most trying of circumstances, will you and I choose to be thankful choose gratitude. It's a discipline, and we get to participate in it. Now, that discipline starts with a connection with God. And maybe many of you have a growing connection with God. It started out in a personal relationship of some kind, but maybe some of you don't. If you want to know the true meaning for the life in which we live, it is found in that relationship. Nothing else actually matters. Nothing else will satiate your desires. Everything that you are wired to experience can only be experienced in a personal and growing relationship with Jesus. And you start that relationship by simply saying, today, God, I recognize that life is a gift. And this gift that you've given me, I want to use it to bring you honor and glory, to bring you praise to bring you respect and love. Help me to do that. Let's pray together. Father, I recognize that as we are sometimes preoccupied with this concept of legacy, we want, we want to know what it is that we're leaving behind. And we leave behind what we, what we say and what we do. And sometimes I confess, Lord, that what I say and what I do is not steeped in thankfulness and gratitude. 
It's instead steeped in entitlement. It's in steeped in personal vendetta. And, and that's not what you want to invite us into to experience. That's not the point of life. The point of life is to be lived from the posture of gratitude and thanksgiving. So even if we feel like that first group of workers that we've been working hard all day, and other people are benefiting just as much as we are from the gift of life. God, would we just learn to be thankful? Would we reject the idea of needing to compare ourselves to one another and still just celebrate the gift that we've been given? Would we choose love in all situations? Would you give us the courage to see even our most challenging circumstances as a gift from you? as an opportunity to learn, to grow, to mature, to receive your provision, to understand that you are who you say you are. And Lord, if there's anybody who is joining us and listening to this and they don't yet have a connection with you, a personal relationship, would you draw them to yourself and help them to see and understand that life only makes sense when it's rooted in you? But they have the courage to pray, today, God, I choose you. Help me to live my life as a, as a gift that you've given. Would you bless us and protect us? Would you turn your face towards us and smile upon us? Would you grant us your favor and your peace? We pray this in the holy and precious name of Jesus. Amen. Find the courage to love today and find the courage to leave that legacy of hope wherever you go. God bless. See you again soon.